Welcome back to another episode of Intermittent Signal. This is the host, Wasif, coming at you uh, with a brand new spanking episode. Uh, We got a jam-packed show for you guys today. So we got two topics uh, I want to be talking about. Uh, Like I promised in last week's episode is that, you know, I was going to go a lot more in-depth with the whole Robin Hood debacle because, I mean, you know what's crazy, bro? Like, literally, right... Like, I was, like, ready to upload my episode and everything, and, like, all that shit went down, right? And I just, like, I knew I had to, like, get something out for me to, like, you know, let you guys know, hey, I acknowledge that, like, this is this is huge-ass news. But, like, literally, like, I was supposed to drop my episode. I usually drop my episode, like, at 12 o'clock, right? Usually, I try to. And the news came out. I woke up at, like, 10. I edited the video, like, the night, or I edited the pod, like, the night before. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to just go ahead and post it. So then I saw the news. I'm like, fuck, like, I got I to gotta talk about this. So I literally, like, got back on and, like, just recorded, like, my that extra bit at the beginning and just to talk about what what happened. Or I, I tried to wrap my head around it. Obviously, I only got, like, I only researched it for, like, 20, 30 minutes, but, like, I mean, I I knew about the news. I've been I was following it the whole like all day and the day before that, and I just said fuck it. I wanted to at least acknowledge and post it. But like I you know I told you guys and I told myself I was like you know I'm gonna do a little bit more research on on this whole debacle because it's a very intricate process. Like I'm still trying to wrap my head around it even after all the research I did. But yeah, I mean I, I definitely wanted to you know. So today's episode is gonna consist of me going a little bit more in depth of. You know, the whole GameStop short, Robin Hood debacle, you know, and now what's the, the aftermath of it? Um, because a lot has happened ever since I dropped, uh, we, you know, we dropped on Thursday. A lot has happened. It's been, you know, I'm recording this on Wednesday. So uh, about at three o'clock. So, I mean, I hope nothing happens between now and the market closing, but you fucking never know. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about Robin Hood and also... Super Bowl, Super Bowl week. We're we're coming, you know, Super Bowl Sunday uh, is coming up, so we're gonna be doing a, a little bit of a preview on that. I know uh, I don't I don't know if I did the AFC title game recap. I don't know. I don't think I did. Um, but it's Super Bowl week, and we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk Super Bowl, and yeah. So let's let's get right into it. Um, also, apologies in advance. I don't know if you guys can hear in the background, but I'm watching the Liverpool game. Uh, we're fucking playing Brighton. Uh, before I, I, I want to talk about this real quick, guys. So, Liverpool got two signings. We got two center backs. Finally, round of applause, everyone. We got we got center backs, guys. We got center backs. Oh, I just banged my microphone. I don't know if y'all heard that, but anyways. So we signed a center back from Preston, Ben Davis. Uh, he's all right. I think we got him for like one point five. Uh, brought him on. He's more like cover because we literally have no one in the back line at all we literally have no no one in the back line and then we have and then we bought uh kabak i know that's his first name what was his first name uh let's search that up real quick ozan his name's ozan kabak uh hopefully i'm saying that correctly um maybe when you guys you know i don't know if i have a turkish listener in the audience but if you guys you know said i got the name wrong just let me know um he came from schalke uh in the bundesliga uh 
18 million pound. I mean, we got we brought him on on loan with an option to buy it. So, you know, I'm really excited. I've actually been following this kid for a few years from his time at Galatasaray, Stuttgart. Um, yeah, he's 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 a really exciting uh, prospect. So I'm really excited for him. Um, I don't. I saw the lineup today for the Liverpool game. He's not on it. I mean, the dude's 20. Um, ben Davis is on the lineup though, but I mean, he's like. He's 26, 25, I think. I mean, he's been playing for a while. He kind of knows, like, the ins and outs. He's a bit of a professional, so I guess it makes sense for him to be already informed. He comes from the championship as well, so he's kind of already used to the English game, uh, whereas Kabak's obviously coming from Schalke. You know, it's a different kind of environment, so it'll take some time for him to get used to it. But the one news that kind of came out of this, like, the lineup, obviously the game... Uh, the game hasn't started, so, like, the previews right now. Uh, but, like, it, Allison's out. So we're starting with Kelleher, our our backup option. He started the season at our number three, but Al, uh, not Allison. Adrian fucked up. Adrian fucked up bad. Gave Kelleher the opportunity to play, and he played really well during his uh, as a deputy. And he's kind of been our number two ever since. So you know, yes, I'm obviously bummed. Out. Allison is arguably the, one of the best keepers in the world. I mean, I could put him up there as two, maybe one, even. It's, I honestly think I honestly think it's a battle between him and Neuer in terms of being like the best goalie in the world. But yeah, obviously when you lose a world class player like Allison, it definitely hurts. But we have a really really good backup in Kelleher, and I mean, obviously Liverpool's form is so inconsistent it fucking frustrates me. But this is a huge game. I know I know obviously this isn't part of the episode like the little course. I, I literally have I'm looking at my notes right now. This is Liverpool is nowhere on on this list, but. I want to talk about Liverpool because I mean this game's a big game because we gotta we gotta beat Brighton and then we got City on the weekend we got Manchester City on the weekend it's basically a battle between I think we're third it's a battle between first and third base virtually first and third and if we win we basically pull City back into the race like it'll become a title race from now until the end of the season at this point but if City wins this game if City beats Liverpool. I mean, at this point, I mean, this just give the league to the city at that point. I mean, City's really in hot form. They won nine games in January, bro. Not that's only the first time in English history someone's won nine games in like a calendar month. But fucking City did because they keep bre- breaking records. So yeah, so City, this is a big game for for the whole league. I, I'm, I would almost, I know this league hates Liverpool. Um, you, you they hate us because they ain't us. That's what I'm trying to say. But. If we, I think the whole league is like supporting well, all, the whole top ten, I guess teams who are like still kind of quote unquote in the title race are supporting us because if City wins this game, they're above and beyond everyone else. Whereas if we beat them, we put them back to earth and and we put them, you know, keep them at at at, at an arm's length, shoulder length. I don't know the, the 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 word or the the phrase, but you know what I'm saying. But yeah, that's my Liverpool talk. But um. Going back to Robin, I want to set the tone, right? I want to, I want to set the tone, right? So, I'm just gonna read a tweet. Uh, I forgot who tweeted this, but I, I, the tweet said, "Anyone defending institutional Wall Street right now?" Louis just got an envelope of themselves at a Jeffrey Epstein's birthday party. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's 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 how I look at it. I mean. In the past seven days, I've seen some people on my timeline like defend Wall Street or the hedge fund management, and like I think to myself, like I get it. Like some of you guys are hardline capitalists, 
like hard hard line capitalist but i mean the fact that you're defending the the like you know like whenever you you hear the story of david versus goliath you don't all, you, who supports goliath who i don't i don't know anyone who supports goliath I, maybe some dickhead who just wants to play a devil's advocate sure but i mean i don't think anyone really play supports goliath in that story or any any underdog story no one supports the overdog unless you are clearly in the interest of the overdog for example if liverpool was to play like an eighth division team if i wasn't a liverpool fan i would be rooting hard for the eighth division team but it's because i'm a liverpool fan obviously i'm going to support liverpool you know what i mean so because i have interest and some kind of connection there yes then i'm going to support like quote unquote the top dog um but people who are defending these institutional wall street firms and hedge funds i mean why are you defending them like you work a nine to five job at best at best or you do some fucking dumb e-commerce you know course mongol shit and i don't know why i'm so i'm cursing so hard today i apologize about that but anyways back to what i was saying like i mean you basically you either do something what any 20 year old or you know a person in their early 20s does it's that they're really just just working there they don't work at wall street i don't know i don't think i know anyone my age it in my you know from you know from georgia or in my little group or not group like a like a friend my friend group i guess you could argue that like that it works at wall street or, or actively works at wall street but what i'm trying to say is by now i would i would think that you know most of you guys kind of know about the story right the story of you know GameStop short, you know the short squeeze and then the hedge funds losing so much money I remember last week I said uh, some guy lost or not some guy the hedge fund the hedge fund lost a few billion dollars I actually have a stat actually pulled up so Melvin Capital uh they're the company who heavily heavily shorted GameStop by 113%. I don't even know how that is physically possible that you could short a stock more than the actual stock itself, right? And if you guys want explanation of like what the whole short stock definition really means, uh, listen to my first ten, the first ten minutes of my last my episode from last week. I think I think I did a decent job about it. If not, then uh, you're lost. Whatever, just Google it. Anyways. So Melvin Capital, that's the hedge fund. Because of this whole GameStop, they lost this whole like GameStop debacle. They lost thirteen one three billion. A big B, boys, big B, big baller, billion dollars. That is, they lost. They're they're literally at the point of bankruptcy. Like that's a company that lost all that money and kind of caused this skyrocket of of GameStop to go from like at one point it was like four dollars in August to at at the time of our recording it, it's kind of went down a little bit but on Friday I think it was at its peak it was around four hundred dollars thousands and thousands of percentile increase it's ridiculous but yes that's what happened and then what happened after all that like all these like hedge funds investors and managers went on like on these mainstream like news organizations like cnbc msnbc cnn like all these you know fox news all these places and they just started crying bawling like oh like like this is this is this is market manipulation and like these guys can't do that like and 
And hearing that is so hypocritical because Wall Street has been doing this for decades, you know? Like, they have... Like, once the game got rigged for them, that's when they think, oh, it isn't fair. But they've been rigging it against the common folks, you know, people like us forever, right? You know, all this, you know, and the fact that, you know, Hedgeson's been kind of manipulating the market for, for a decade. When I say that, think about it, right? So, like, you know, when you hear someone on Wall Street bets, say, buy GameStop, buy GameStop, or hold till 1,000, you know, all these hedge fund people are saying that, that's bullshit like you can't say that like you can't do that that's market manipulation i mean is it like you you see news all the time of like these quote-unquote experts you know go on these big talk shows or on on the mainstream news kind of saying like oh like you know uh tesla is gonna hit to seven thousand one when there's really a person who said over the summer hold tesla tesla shooting to a seven seven thousand and other people are saying, oh, buy these stocks. I, I forgot, uh, Jim Cramer is the name. He's like a host of like this uh, Walt, like this stock show on, on CNBC. And he, you know, he was really famous back like 10, 15 years ago. He would always say like, oh, like get this stock today or get this kind of organization stock today. Like it's going to shoot up. You'll make money. How is that now market manipulation? He has a large audience. Why is it that he's allowed to go out there and express his opinion of buying and selling a stock, but whereas someone on a, a subreddit on you know a subreddit can just you know say hold to a thousand, but that's considered market manipulation. I don't understand it at all. And this whole like outcome of like what's happened, right? It's kind of created this dilemma of kind of exposing the corruption in the stock market. And I say that because there's organizations out there that are literally like they want a company to fail because they will make billions, um, either by shorting it or hoping they can buy that stock in a discounted price and hope for it to go back up in the near future. And because, again, like I said, I mean, I've, I've repeated this already a few times, but because someone with influence and power saying it's right that's why it's right but someone who's a quote-unquote commoner or who doesn't have that much influence says it's right then it's wrong i don't i mean i'm starting to wrap my head around it that makes i mean philosophically speaking how does that make any sense it doesn't well to me it doesn't but i mean it it really doesn't make any sense to me and i mean hedge funds have lost billions i mean billions and billions of dollars however initially that's a that's the big word initially they've lost billions of dollars and because the reason being is because ever since that big squeeze is on thursday i believe uh robin hood halted trading for uh, you know for people to buy gamestop or any of the quote-unquote meme stocks like amc nokia blackberry naked all those stocks right and but they still gave you an option to sell it right and and you and you know the first idea when you think you have is like what the fuck like how how is that remotely legal right like how is that legal at all so here's here's i'm trying to i'm trying to be as neutral as possible i'm not obviously i'm not neutral about this but here's what i'm trying to say so according to the sec laws the new york stock exchange has the right to with to withhold trading and and with and they have the right to kind of stop trading uh because of volatility 
Now, on Monday alone, so about a few days ago, Monday alone, GameStop was halted, you know, trading on the exchange for volatility nine times. And then it happened again on Tuesday five times. And, I mean, I think, and the reason why Robinhood stopped their quote-unquote uh, you know, the buy. I, th- I think the idea, I think if Robinhood just would have just removed the stock or just halted the trading, I mean, they removed the stock. They just removed the whole stock. But if they had just halted the trading, kept the stock there on the portfolio, but just halted trading, then I guess technically that would have fell within the rights of the New York Stock Exchange laws. But if they, if they just give you an option to just sell the stock, but you can't buy the stock, that's, Literally, that is will. I mean, that will directly influence people to just sell it. And you saw it on Thursday. You saw it today, where people just started selling, selling, selling their stocks, and which caused the price to go down. Which allowed, you know, which allowed these hedge funds to make their money back through all these short, you know, calls they made or short puts. Sorry that they made. It makes. I mean, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to me, but it, it makes sense in the realms of. Hedge funds kind of made their money back. That's why I said they initially lost billions. They kind of recovered a good amount of that sum. I'm pretty sure Melvin Capital ended up regaining some of that 13 billion they lost. They still lost money. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, it's still it's really fucked up. That's that's what, what I'm trying to say. And I mean, now you're tr- now you're seeing these like on Wall Street bets and and CNN and all these mainstream media's have kind of picked this up. The news going around is that people, oh, quote unquote. Uh, people, that's what I'm saying, quotes on people, are posting on Wall Street bets saying to buy silver, buy silver. And that kind of is intriguing, to say the least. The reason why I say that is because I think that's total bullshit. I think those quote-unquote people are just bots on on, uh, Wall Street bets. The reason why I say that is because the fourth largest holding in the United States, or I don't even, in the world, I'm sorry, in the world, I got my the words mixed up. The fourth largest holding in the world in silver is Morgan & Stanley, which is a hedge fund uh, company, uh, which is like the guy that we're kind of going against. So why would Wall Street bets, or why would someone on Wall Street bets say buy silver if it's going to benefit you know, Morgan and Stanley, right? So I, what I think, again, this is just me talking out my ass and I'm not a financial advisor or a lawyer, but, you know, hear me out, is that I'm pretty sure there, a bot that somehow organized or related to Morgan and Stanley is kind of pushing that narrative to buy silver, buy silver. And a lot of people think that on Wall Street Bets, on the actual side, I went through it, a lot of people are saying that's bullshit, but these news organizations, CNN, MSNBC, all those you know groups, are pushing that story saying, oh, Wall Street Bets are saying to buy, buy silver. And they're trying to play this kind of a flip-flop group as in like, yes, CNN's for the people, but I'm going to push out this garbage of saying to buy silver because it's going to help the hedge funds who could very well maybe be funding these news organizations. I again, I don't know. I'm not saying this is like a liberal conservative thing. I just think it's more of a a classist issue between the haves and haves nots, right? Like obviously 10 years ago it was o- occupy Wall Street, you know, the 1% versus the 99%. 
And now this is more of a modern spin on it. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think the whole story of people trying to, quote-unquote, push silver or buy silver, it's bullshit. That's, that's what I can say. So so what now? After after everything that's gone down, after all this commotion of Robin Hood kind of pushing this narrative and what happens now i guess like like that's what's what's next well the first question i want to answer is why did robin hood stop the volatility well we answered it halfway with obviously their quote-unquote with their right to withhold however robin hood so how does robin hood make money that's 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 a question i think we need to address first how does robin hood make their money well they make their money because they make them okay let me let me backtrack a little bit so think about it. when you if you have a Robinhood account, Robinhood promotes this idea of you can buy sell stocks without a trading commission fee, which means if this stock costs ten dollars, I'm just paying ten dollars for that stock. I'm not paying a brokerage fee or any kind of fee uh, to up the price like a dollar to you know conservative fee. It's the ten dollars. That's it. The reason being that is because our purchasing of the stock isn't really Robinhood's primary way to make money. We're the customers. We're Robinhood's customers, but we're not the one that brings in the money for Robinhood. And that comes down to the joint venture that funded Robinhood. Now, the company that fund that, you know, the hedge fund that works with Robinhood is Citadel Investments, which is a hedge fund organization in New York, uh, and they are a very, very prominent organization on Wall Street. Uh, Citadel does have a um a connection in all of this the reason being is because citadel lended 2.75 billion with a b big baller to melvin capital and remember remember that word melvin capital that's the same company i talked about earlier that lost 13 billion because the game stopped short so it's you know there's rumors going around people saying that robin hood actively stopped these trades of these quote-unquote meme stocks because their parent holder, Citadel, is afraid that the company that they lend money to, Melvin, is going to go bankrupt, which means Citadel won't make their money back, which means Robinhood's going to go bust. And again, yes, there's it's, it's a bit of a kind of put your tinfoil hat on, but is it really, though? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's a tinfoil hat kind of conspiracy. It's literally... That's, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a connect the dots kind of situation. And now the next people argument would be, okay, what about the other trade organizations? Like, you know, Webull also stopped their, you know, the trading. Well, Webull also has a similar business format, right? They, I don't think it's Citadel, but they still, you know, are connected to some hedge fund. They don't make monies from, you know, they, they don't, they offer $0 commission fees, right? Um, like when I buy a $10 stock from Webull, I, I don't pay any more extra. It's the same concept. It's the same concept. So I don't have it right now, but I'm almost certain Webull also has a connection to some hedge fund organization or some organization that has been struck highly of it. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's speculation. Obviously, I'm just speculating, but I, I would not be surprised. I know for a fact Citadel works with Robinhood. That's why I can say for a fact Robinhood pulling that stunt fucking bullshit and they lost a huge amount of their audience because of that situation. Now, is that the end of Robinhood? No, I don't think so. I think people are still going to be trading um, on it. And that's exactly what happened. The thing that blows me, right? The thing that blows me the most is 
when people, you know, as I mentioned earlier on the show, is that, you know, all these, you know, the, the idea of market manipulation, right? So what what is, like, how do you consider, like, the idea of market manipulation? Well, according to the SEC, I have this pulled up right now. Market manipulation is the intention, intentional or willful con- conduct designed to deceive or defraud investors by controlling or artificially affecting the price of securities or intentional interfit, interference with the free forces of supply and demand. Another definition would be it can be designed to drive a stock's price up or down. What Robinhood did is... I mean, looking at looking at the definition set by the SEC, it is straight up market manipulation. Now, the the issue with that, though, it, it does become a double edged sword because now people are saying, "Oh, well, you know, put more regulation, put more regulation," because they're going to let these entities. When I say entities, it's Wall Street bets. These entities kind of take over the market. Again, that's bullshit. I wanna I wanna bring up this clip. Actually, I hope you guys can hear this. Actually, let me put my computer closer so this is just for context this is a cnbc uh interview and it's a host who clearly is in you know i i, I don't want to put no it's, it's a host right now it's the, the when you hear a man's voice that's the host of the show on cnbc and he's hosting the ceo of nasdaq which is one of the biggest entities the owner of the new york stock exchange essentially so just listen in information and, and uh, pump and dumps and it's occurring on social media again it just I, i'm wondering whether it's part of the same problem the type of regulation that that uh that we finally need to uh, to consider and that, like i said I, we should always have a light touch with regulation but you're you're seeing the way things can get started again this is different maybe it's reddit maybe it's not facebook but so i mean all these wall street pigs Right. I mean, they hate regulation. They absolutely hate regulation. But because they now they start losing money, now they're kind of pushing for regulation, which is fucking I mean, it's it's bullshit. That's what it is. I mean, this guy, obviously, he's kind of just balls deep in in, you know, trying to, you know, save face for with these, you know, hedge fund users. But the idea that they're kind of actively pushing for regulation now it's it's so poetic to me i find it so poetic and right now i'm about to pull up the clip of the response or of the uh of the lady like i said the lady's the ceo of the nasdaq organization well i i do think though that as we look at these new technologies that are there available to everyone including investors i i think it's also important for regulators to understand that you know, manipulation is manipulation, whether it's happening through a new technology medium or it's happening through traditional mail. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of making sure that we understand what the behavior is, what's underpinning the behavior, and working appropriately with the regulators to to uh, to manage the situation. So, I mean, she's saying manipulation, manipulation, but it isn't manipulation when like a hedge fund pushes for an avid stock to go down or go up because they know they have interest in that or they know they have millions of shares in that i mean where do you draw the line so at this point it's the question of where do you draw the line for the regulation because the people who draw those regulation or create those regulation <clears throat> excuse me 
are lobbyists or, or former lobbyists or lobbyists who kind of influence the decision. And those lobbyists obviously are from these big hedge fund organizations. So it is definitely creating a distrust, I would argue. It does does create a distrust between you know institutions and the people. And that does kind of deteriorate democracy. I mean, obviously, I'm looking at it from like a potential issue down the line. But right now, what would be the next step, right? Well, let's let's go back to what you know. The, what this lady said. Her name's Adina Friedman, the CEO of Nasdaq. So her so her argument of manipulation and manipulation. Let me let me talk about this this one hedge fund user real quick. Uh, he's an investor. His name's Bill Ackman. He went on CNBC back in March, right, like when the pandemic started, and he was like really emotional and like he was telling like Donald Trump, you know, at the time, saying, you know, shut down, you know, shut down the economy or, you know, go on lockdown for 30 days, uh, which is I, you know, which is a good idea. But and he he said this one phrase that kind of turned over the market. He said, if you don't do this, hotel stocks are going to plummet to zero. And that caused a huge frenzy of people selling their hotel stocks, and to the point where it did go down to like a couple. I mean, it went down significantly. Went down to a few dollars. What Bill ended up doing was that he ended up he went ahead and bought all these stocks at these at this discounted price, and I mean, he ended up selling it like eight months later, around you know August September, and he made. Billions, two point four billion dollars he made just from that. And if if that is a market manipulation, then you tell me what is. You tell me what is, because I at this point I don't know, right? Like at this point, I mean, what the fact that these organizations are pushing for regulation just because they they got bit a little bit, it, it is really dumb, and it really goes back to the whole two thousand eight financial crisis. And you know, a lot you know, I know my audience is is you know kind of in their 20s so all of us kind of did live through that you know the economic crisis of 2008 the housing bubble crisis right you know either you were affected by it or you know people or you know um you know near you or you you have close friends who who lost you know houses or lost their jobs during that during that crisis so it does go back to that speculation of kind of this wall street saying we know what's best for you guys and we'll proceed as such saying that the common folk is too dumb. I think it's fucking bullshit. You guys can make your own opinion on it, but then again, I'm just a I'm just a brown guy with a microphone in front of my face. That's why I'm able to say this stuff. And I'm just that's my opinion. I would love to see what you guys think of it because this does create a Pandora's box, right? Of if you decide to regulate stuff like this, because what what is considered manipulation? What isn't considered manipulation? Is it? Does it depend on the followers? Does it depend on the institutions? What does it depend on, right? I I don't have the answer for that. I'm not a financial expert. I personally think the I, the 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 practice of short selling a stock is very un-American. When I say un-American is that everyone says America is is the land of opportunity and home of the brave. Or I don't even know why I said home of the brave. That's not even really. Anyways, that's what I was saying is that if you, if you actively support 
a biz, a company going out of business and you make money off that, that is such a scummy thing to do. It's such a scummy thing to do. But when a, you know, if you create a place where obviously the stock market is a great, you know, idea of where you can invest and hope a company becomes successful and then you make money, that's completely fine. But if you make money because of other businesses failing, it's, it is a very scummy thing to do. So I think the, the practice of puts and short sells, I, I think, I mean, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I do think we need to find a way to kind of remove that practice from, from society. Um, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I, I, the idea is there, and I hope someone with at least more power in the institutions than I have, because I have no relation to the institutions, at least brings that up, because I do think that is a very scummy practice. So, yeah, there's that. Again, like I said, let me know what you guys think. So we're going to switch gears for our final segment. Um, it's Super Bowl Sunday. So it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs versus, I was going to say, well, I was, I was literally about to say the New England Patriots, but it's not. It's Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Tom Brady is in his 10th Super Bowl. That man does not age. I have He has looked 25 for the last 20 years. It's ridiculous. But anyways, it's the New England Patriots versus. Uh, I see. I use the New England Patriots. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Kansas City Chiefs. Patty Mahomes versus Tom Brady. Who wins? Well, who who does win? Well, I think the audience wins because now we get to watch Tom Brady going against Patty Mahomes. I'm excited for that contest. Um, let's check the betting odds. Oh, sorry. Uh, let's see the betting odds. I think the Chiefs were three and a half last time I checked. Chiefs, Chiefs versus Buccaneers odds. Uh, no, so the over under of the game is fifty six, which is actually yeah, it's a. I would I would take the over on that one. Why my? Sorry about that, guys. Why is my fucking computer just? Ugh, this is so dumb. Every website nowadays just does like is against ad blocks. Why don't you just end ads at this point? Um. Uh, sorry guys, I did not have this prepped. I'm trying to see what the over-under is for the odds. I just keep seeing the fucking, the total over-under. Oh, minus three. Okay, so it's minus three. That's the, that's the over-under. So it, it got closer a little bit. So Chiefs minus three against the Buccaneers. I, I mean, my initial thoughts to that is I do think the Chiefs are going to win this. I would like Brady to win hit another ring because I do think if Brady wins that ring, the whole argument of you know Brady was a, was a result of the you know the Patriot system or the Belichick kind of uh, system. I think you have to throw that argument in the dump because if Brady can do it with Bucks in his first year, then yes, he's he is, I mean, I already consider Brady the greatest quarterback of all time, and one of the greatest athletes that we've probably ever witnessed, but the whole idea of people kind of, I would say, you know, pushing Brady, you know, be, you know he's, he's only a result of the Patriots system, that's bullshit, that's fucking bullshit. However, I do think the Chiefs are going to win, because, I mean, look at the Chiefs, bro, like, they got weapons Everywhere on offense, they got Miko, Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey. Am I missing anyone? Sammy Watkins. Obviously, you have 
the best quarterback in the league and Patrick Mahomes, who if I honestly think if he keeps himself like at least another 10 years, he would be in the argument of, I mean, he's already in the argument of potentially being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But in 10 years, he could be in the argument of definitely being the greatest quarterback of all time. So and the Chiefs defense can, can, can keep it up with anyone. Chris Jones is a baller of a, of a player in the trenches. So he can definitely bully around that, you know, that O-line in Tampa. But keep in mind, Tampa's O-line, man, they have been elite throughout the playoffs. They kept the best D-line in the in the Washington football team at bay. They held the Saints to not that much. They didn't really do that much against Brady. And then also they did the same thing against the Packers. So I do think I do think the Buccaneers will be able to hold Chris Jones at bay. So I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I I would definitely take the over on this game. The over the over under is fifty six. So I definitely take fifty six or is fifty six and a half. One of those two. I would still take the over regardless of that. It either being fifty six or fifty six and a half. But I think what's going to happen at the end is that I think Mahomes is going to win this ring. I do think Mahomes alone, bro. He has the talent to take the Chiefs to at least a division round. And at this at that point, it's really up to like his teammates around him like the the team that Chiefs assembled around Patty Mahomes is enough to it it is this is literally the beginning of the Chiefs dynasty for the next this decade the 2020s is the decades of the Chiefs you know the 2010s and 2000s were the Patriots well this is this is the Chiefs time and if they can continue to keep weapons around Mahomes well Mahomes not even in his prime bro that's the scary thing he can he can do it like it's nothing and I mean, Chiefs minus three. I think that's it is a close. It it does say that the game is going to be a close game, and I I agree this will be a close game. But I I just can't see the Buccaneers winning this game just because they don't they can't keep it up. They can't keep up. Like yes, the Buccaneers defense is okay. They've stepped up pretty well in the playoffs, but they're going against Mahomes. It's tough. I mean, yes, the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay, and we do have to take that account. Like that is something that is a huge factor, and that's the first time in NFL history that that a team is hosting a Super Bowl. But I still don't know, man. I mean, obviously, it's such a fucked up thing because we're in COVID. We're still in the in this pandemic, and the first time you know we have a team get to host a Super Bowl, we get to see. Oh, it does. Does this matter? And and the stadium's only like a, a tenth full. It's unfortunate. So I don't think home field advantage will be that big of a factor. Cause I mean, look at the look at the Buccaneers. They won three games on the road. Right? Like they've won on on the way to the play, on the way to the Super Bowl. So I don't think home field will be that big of a factor. It is a factor, but it's not that big of a factor. And I do think the Chiefs the Chiefs are gonna do it. Um I would bet Chiefs minus three. The over would be, in this game would I would put over fifty six and a half, and yeah, that's my prediction on that game. And who do I think is going to win Super Bowl MVP? You got to give it to Mahomes, don't you? You have to give it to Mahomes. I, I say, that's what I would do. I would. So here's my parlay. I don't know if they will do a parlay for like one game, but I do Chiefs minus three. The over fifty six and a half. Mahomes wins MVP. Put that in your parlay. That's a that is a that is a wasif guaranteed parlay. But if y'all lose money, don't listen to me. I'm not shit. <laughs> so 
that's going to wrap up today's episode, guys. Thank you again for listening. Let me know what you guys think of the episode. Let me know what you guys want to hear next. And on that note, uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Peace.